here we are. This is Sex Love Psychedelics, and I'm your host, Dr. Kat, bringing you psychosexual conversations that will leave you intellectually turned on and hungry for more. Hey, lovers. Today, I was really inspired to hop on and record for you a quickie episode. Now, for those of you who have been following me on Sex Love Psychedelics, you'll notice that sometimes I have these solo episodes where I come in for a fast delivery of insights, practices, and alternative perspectives for you to soak in and hopefully blow your load. I mean, blow your mind, obviously blow your mind. And this one's really inspired by a few different <laughs> sources. And the first one being the upcoming course, uh, Sex Love Psychedelics Alchemy, which is a fusion of tantric traditions and spirituality and sensuality alongside uh, my BDSM practices and work that I do. I really believe in the power of, of allowing space for all of us to have our the sex life of our dreams. And I also understand that when we have a partner, say a, a committed partner or a spouse or a girlfriend, boyfriend, and they don't have the same desires that we do, this conflict of desires can feel scary. It can feel threatening to the relationship. Does this mean that we're not compatible? Does this mean that I can't have the freak life that I, the sex life that I want? And I, while this is something that I see so often come into my office, um, I also believe that this mentality of, do I get to have it? Do I don't get to have it? Is such a black and white way of approaching our relationships and somebody would have to self-abandon in order to meet that or we end the relationship. So I don't think that that perspective is one that's going to be helpful for us. I really believe that sex needs to be a win-win situation for us all. And that when we start or continue, (laughs) maintain, uh, giving up our own voice in order to preserve the relationship, this is where things get really sticky. We, as a result, it may impact our motivation for sex. We may not want to initiate sex, or we may clamp down and, and shut down or freeze up when our partner expresses a desire because we're afraid that it's going to end up going that way, or we feel like we have to guard and prevent it from going that way. Um, negotiation is an art. It exists where both people can come to a win-win. However, we may not be getting our ideal state or outcome. And this is where, you know, we can we can talk about the word compromise. I love the word negotiation. I prefer the word negotiation because it feels like to me this process of co-creating something together. Whereas compromise sometimes I feel like is us giving in or giving up something. Uh, but I really think that by us identifying what our desired state is and what our limits and our boundaries are, you know, really including all of the parts of ourselves. And I'll get into what I mean by parts into these conversations. We can create, we can move forward with creating the sex life that we want. None of us are quote unquote 
too much or bad or too freaky or, you know, not enough or <laughs> we aren't any of those. We are actually these very complex beings with layers of parts inside of ourselves. And these parts can be in direct conflict with one another. Um, a really good example of this is that you notice how sometimes you have a perspective around something where a part of you wants to go to this event, but a part of you really just wants to stay home in your sweatpants and just be an introverted turtle and eat pizza all day. Fair enough. Both of these parts, when we take a look at them, when we give space and voice to them, I like to imagine giving them the microphone and we allow them to talk out fully without interruption and judgment what it is about this perspective perspective. You know, what is this part feeling? How does it feel in your body? What is this part afraid would happen? What is this part? How is it in interpreting the situation? What is it? What's its vulnerability? What is it? You know, yeah. What is it afraid would happen? What is its emotion? What's, what's happening there? And you really take the time to allow that space for it to breathe and be seen and be witnessed and held and without and I, please, please highlight this line without another person having, and self, <laughs> having the agenda of getting rid of that part, without judgment or ridicule, without trying to hurry the process, but really being patient, present, curious. You know, asking questions and being mindful that those questions don't have an inflection of shame or trying to rush them along or, or anything other than just curiosity and compassion, which is the process that it can take for us to come to an understanding. Or if we don't understand, can we allow the feeling to be valid? We're not going into this, this process of trying to make our partner feel wrong for having an insecurity or feel wrong for wanting what they want or feel wrong in labeling them toxic for just having the desire that might be the same as the culture, you know, cultural narrative. Um, I'm specifically referring to uh, this conversation that I literally just had with a dear friend um, around him wanting to go into some of these erotic experiences and his partner not. And so we can look at that and say, whoa, he's being misogynistic and, you know, pressuring his partner to have these threesomes or these play parties or, or you know, whatever it is, um, try some kinky shit. And, and, and that is enough to you know, cause anybody to freeze or to shut down their, their sexuality in order to preserve the safety of their image, their identity, or the relationship or their place in society. And, and this just goes across the board for everyone. You know, there are parts inside of us that operate from protection. And it's one of the most classic conflicts, inner conflicts that we have. This idea that we have a part of us that feels and believes and operates in one way and another part of us that may feel and believe in another thing. And they may feel seemingly opposite. 
And the, I, I see how us human brains have a difficult time with integrating those parts, um, have a difficult time with two things existing at the same time, um, where we want something and we don't want something at the same time. And yet most of our decisions, most of our feelings exist in this, this space, this dialectical thinking. So I see this most often we have, when we have as it relates to sex, the part of us that wants to be free and open and expressive and supportive and sex positive, and another part of us that wants protection and preservation. This is the classic inner conflict, freedom versus preservation. And reconciling that we all have inside of us, this inner conflict can actually help us in the nuance of the situation. You're not a party pooper if you need to have some level of safety. You just may need something extra to feel secure in order to move forward. You may need to collaborate on a plan without the pressure or the agenda of the other person wanting to move this process faster. You may need to feel like you do have some level of control or a lot of level of control and say and voice in these experiences. And it's not just giving in to what the other person needs or wants. That doesn't feel good. And yet it doesn't have to be, again, this black or white, we do this or we don't do this. Let's acknowledge right now that it is vulnerable to ask for our desires and to ask for our boundaries and to express that we have needs or to share about our fantasies. It is vulnerable to put these things out there because there may be a part of us that is afraid that if we ask for what we need or what we want, what if the other person doesn't want that, doesn't like that, thinks it's weird, isn't available for it, is that gonna cause conflict here? Is that gonna risk our relationship? And that mentality can be really challenging to have conversation or initiate conversations with a partner around how do we make a sex life that matches both of us? Because if there's a part that's afraid of that, it will avoid the topic of conversation. It will get its needs met outside of the relationship. It will suppress the desire in order to, to make it okay. But again, all of that has consequences. All of that has collateral that we have to pay a lot for, whether it's exhaustion, whether it's um, we create mistrust in the relationship. Um, maybe we uh, lose our desire for sex. We lose our motivation for it. We lose our functioning for it. We might become hesitant in sex. We might pull away from sex. We might shut down. We might dissociate. And if you are seeing any of these symptoms in yourself or in your partner, instead of blaming yourself or blaming your partner or, or labeling yourself as broken, create an ambiance of curiosity to inquire what those symptoms are about. And you might need to work with a therapist to be able to do this and hold that safe space for you and hold a container for you to explore 
and and maybe have a meltdown, maybe have a have a breakthrough. Um, but it, 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 in a sense, having somebody to be able to hold that space for you to express yourself can help to um, understand. Yeah, hesitation is a protector part. You know, um, avoidance is just a protector part. In in this sense, in this conversation, the concept of will power isn't black or white. I think we put a lot of emphasis on willpower and we say, just do it, right? Nike tells us, just do it. But there are so many inner conflicts and there are so many contextual factors that are at play that we need to have in alignment before we can move forward. Otherwise, we may be suppressing ourselves and we may be suppressing some part of us that has a need in order to, quote unquote, just do it. And so similarly, we want to be careful that we're not pressuring our partner, even if we love our partner. And here's where two parts can coexist. We can love our partner and we can be a supportive partner and unconsciously be pressuring them because of the hungry part of us that's not getting met, because of the part of us that is, is tired and frustrated and doesn't know what to do and feels confused and, and annoyed. But if both people or all people involved, including yourself, is willing to go through the work and, and look at some of the nuanced patterns and understand yourself on a deeper level, this will deepen your intimacy. And it will for damn sure change your sex life because vulnerability lets us all relax and open. And that transforms the way we have arousal the way that we have orgasm, the way that we feel pleasure in our erotic experience. So if you're feeling hesitancy or shutdown or lack of motivation, ask yourself, what is the part of me afraid will happen? What is the part of me, this part of me that holds a perspective on the situation? Like what is the perspective on the situation? Do I have multiple parts, multiple feelings, multiple perspectives around the situation? Does a part of me feel this and a part of me feels that? What do I need to see or what do I need to have happen in order to feel safe enough to move forward? Is there a space for me to move from a no to a yes? And what would I have to see in order to have that? Now, I, I put a lot of this, I put a lot of time into creating this epic, I will say, it's an epic guide that is comprehensive and goes through um, more than just a yes, no, maybe sheet of all these different ideas around sexuality and creative um, practices and toys and tools and, and role plays and activities. But I take you through how to negotiate and how to move from a place of ideas into a place of a win-win situation. So I'm going to include that link below and it's been getting rave reviews. Like everybody who has downloaded it, everybody who's downloaded it and reached out to me <laughs> has told me like, wow, this guide is something that you could just sell. <laughs> and, and, and I get, and I love that. Thank you so much. I actually feel really proud of this guide as well. Uh, and it was really inspired by this exact conversation that we're having. And it also lends so well to the course 
that I'm leading around Tantric and BDSM. And again, how we can find uh, our expression and, and get the sex life that we want. Now, it's important for the individuals in the partnership to understand is that, you know, we all have life experiences that contribute to our programming or how we're seeing uh, ourselves, how we're understanding sex, how we're operating in the world, how we're, how we're able to express ourselves. And some of this is from personal experience, as in, uh, you know, there may have been situations that felt unsafe when we were fully expressed. But this also can be in relationship to the cultural trauma on the macro level, as in, you know, some of the cultural um, beliefs that exist in our environment. Uh, a really good example of this is women's sexuality is for man's entertainment. I grew up with that and I wasn't consciously aware of it until I had started doing inner self work and realizing how much pressure I was putting on myself to perform in sex. And this was in my early 20s, um, but also even before that. So in my teens and early uh, early 20s, I, I wore a lot of clothes that were unshapely and, and, and baggy because I was afraid of the male gaze. I was afraid of being um, desired in that sexual way because there was this inner program that my body, that my sex was for somebody else, that it wasn't for me, even though I consciously thought that I, you know, the, the, you know, women empowerment, women's in their, in their erotic expression, but like it took some time to realize that there was another part of me that was operating from this, from this standpoint. And both of those can coexist again at the same time. And so this is important for, um, individuals who are partnered to women, if, especially if you're a male, to be present and curious and ask the questions about what it's like for your partner to be a, a sensual or a sexual woman in this culture, or to ask them about what their relationship has been like with their bodies growing up, because that may be playing a role here. And now I'm speaking the, to the dudes right now. I understand that you may be a loving partner or you self-identify as a loving, supportive partner. And it can feel painful to have the realization that your pokes, that your efforts to encourage may actually be taken as pressure because that's not your intention. You don't mean to pressure them. And yet the, your woman partner may be unconsciously guarding because there is a part of them that is afraid or there is a part of them that's not feeling secure in the relationship or there's a part of them that's not feeling secure in their worth. We're not here to, to pathologize that. We're not here to make that wrong or try to get rid of that part. In order for somebody to blossom, to unfold, to flower, they have to be safe enough to open up and be accepted as their self and not rushed. Even if your efforts are to encourage. 
when I was in my 20s, I had a boyfriend, bless his little heart, um, in college who... Side note, every time I hear bless bless their heart, there's always an interesting story that comes afterward. But anyway, uh, he w- kept telling me, you know, I want to pleasure you. I want to go down on you. This is for you. And at that point, I was still deep in my trauma and was not aware of how I felt that the um, that sexuality was for men. So there was a part of me that was would shut down, that would would hide a bit or pull away. And I remember saying no. And I remember that, that being challenged and saying, but this is for you. I'm trying to pleasure you. This is for you. And at one point, I just gave up in trying to convince them otherwise. And as a protection, my body had this clever solution to dissociate from that experience. And when my partner, you know, responded to me, you're not enjoying this. Where are you? Why aren't you enjoying this? I just burst into tears because here's this inner conflict, the part of me that wants to be supportive, that wants to be open-minded, that wants to be, you know, doesn't want to be a party pooper. And the part that wants to be accepted in exactly where where I was and allowed to be, and not only just allowed, but really to be uh, celebrated and supported in, in, in my humanity and where I, who I was and what I needed. And so again, be aware of the nuance of, of how we're coming to this experience, because in this situation, this partner didn't realize that he was not saying that for me. This was actually for him. And if he and we (laughs) together had understood the nuances of consent, that it isn't just give and receive, that there is also the nuance of taking and the nuance of allowing. And none of those are inherently wrong or bad. Uh, Betty Martin did this incredible wheel of consent that I highly recommend you look up. I'll actually include the link in the show notes so that you can see this, that it isn't this black or white. um, They said yes, therefore it means yes, or they say no, and that means no. It's actually the energetics of these, um, our body may be saying no, as in it, it contracts. And then we say yes, which is a is incongruency within our own bodies. And then we can feel yucky. We can feel nausea. We can feel um, disconnected. We can feel disoriented. I don't believe that any partner who identifies as a loving, supportive partner wants their partner to dissociate. I don't believe that any of them want their partner to do something that they don't want to do. And I fully understand the frustration of when we have something that we want and it's not happening. Like I I understand the hunger that can come when we haven't been touched for such a long time and how, and, and the pain of that, the very real pain of that, or the pain of, um, you know, I'm a freak and I'm too much for asking this. Like I really want to validate all of these experiences and to explain to you why this is such a complex scenario. Okay, so here's the solution that I'm going to suggest for you. First of all, 
listen to this podcast episode with your partner and or even with yourself and use that time to self-reflect and pause at different points, write things down, stop it and have a conversation around it. Then second, use my free guide to support you in the negotiation process, to support you in and creating a container for you to talk about these, these different fantasies or these different ideas. Third, I want you to be able to talk about, identify where you're at on the spectrum of curiosity from, I want the, you know, I'm at the space of curiosity for fantasy. I just want to talk about it. I just want to fantasize about it with you. Um, I want to be in this contemplation, um, research, um, being in the planning (laughs) phase, that's what I'm talking about. Um, And then the other opposite end of the spectrum being bringing this to real life. A really good example is the common conversation around threesomes when we need to negotiate a process or collaborate on a process that will make it safe. And so this is really important for the individual to reflect on as well as the partner to hold space for. But what do we need to feel in order to move towards the action in this? So if we have hesitancy, if we have shutdown, if we have avoidance, you know, again, we're taking this process to get to know those parts, but then is there something that these parts of us need to see happen or to feel in order to be able to move forward? Uh, Maybe we need to know that it's not going to move towards penetration, Maybe we need to know that we can have a sensual experience of touching or kissing or no kissing or just being in the space of eroticism happening and know that our partner isn't going to pressure us or coerce us into penetration. Uh, Maybe we need to have clothes to stay on or tops off only or it would feel better or safer if we're in a public play space or we're in a private room Um, maybe I'm the star of the show and everyone pleases me, or maybe the guest is the star of the show and everyone pleases them. Maybe we come with a, with a, an agreement that the guest doesn't stay the night or that we agree on who we pick or the person we want the person to have these types of qualities that would make us to feel safe. Or if there's a fear around inadequacy, is there something that our partner can do to support us in the process of feeling desired and safe? Can I know that we will not move faster in making this a reality than I need to go? Honoring that I have a pace and trusting that I am in the process of learning more, listening to podcasts, leaning in. Um, Maybe I need to have somebody to talk to who's already doing this. Maybe I need a community around people who are already doing this. Or I need to be seen and understood and my fears are not made wrong. Sometimes we feel hesitant or we feel protective because we're having issues in the bedroom ourselves. You know, maybe we have painful sex or a loss of desire for sex or, or our sex life isn't very good. So it increases vulnerability in to invite somebody into the bedroom. Please understand that that does just by the, just by bringing in somebody else into this intimate space, that that can amplify you know, this is vulnerable and it can amplify the parts of us that want to protect. So we might need to feel more secure in the status of the relationship. And, and what do we need to see in order for that to continue for us to, to open up, right? 
my partner and I have an intention that we share, um, safety, desire, connection, play, and home. And as long as we're feeling these things, we feel more expansive and safe to explore. And if we aren't feeling one of these things, then we pause to process and hold space for the parts that may feel afraid or need some kind of support in order to move forward. It's not an override the parts that are missing. It's a let's include, accept, and give space for these parts. Because when there is a relationship of safety, we blossom, we open, and we can become more freaky in the bedroom (laughs) because of it. Not when we're asked to or pressured to override these parts, these parts that are afraid and just need to be cared for. So spectrum of fantasy to planning to real life. Just because a partner brings up something that they want to do doesn't mean that they actually need to do the thing to feel fulfilled, or it doesn't mean that they need to do the thing right now. (laughs) So that gives us some space to go through a process. I would also highly encourage taking intentional time that is designated for playing and exploring. So perhaps setting up 20 minutes and using one of the toys, the tools, the tasks, the, the, the fantasies um, that might've come up in the negotiation guide and then experiment with it for those 20 minutes and then debrief, a- debrief afterward. You know, if you wanna practice with flogging but there's a hesitation in the partner that wants to do it or the partner that wants to receive it and giving an intentional time for them to explore and experiment and play means that the outcome of it doesn't mean that you're a bad lover. Doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. You're literally trying things out and to see, okay, what happens if I hit harder? What happens if I hit softer? What happens if... I ask them to do this thing. And then afterward, you can talk about what worked, what didn't work. How would you change it? Would you like more of something? Now, if you're listening to this episode and a part of you has a reaction to this and says, why the fuck do I have to put so much work into having a good sex life? I wish that I could just have the spontaneous sexuality anytime that I want and have all of my desires and needs met. And I just need the perfect partner to, to fix it. You know, maybe I picked the wrong partner, blah, 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 blah. And to be really real with you, there's a reason why this culture has this funny joke around, um, once you're married, your, your sex life goes dead. It's because the majority of the population are not willing to face the parts of themselves, are not willing to be vulnerable, are, um, or not, not even the word willing, but are, you know, deep in the state of um, shame or fear. And there may not even be connected to the reality that they have those parts available. So it is quote unquote easier to cheat, or it is easier to quote unquote ignore these aspects and just get along and, and self-abandon. But again, all of this comes with a cost. 
And, and there is power in finding the resolution and discovering a lot more ease on the other side of it. But we've got to go into the feeling. We've got to go into the confusion. We've got to go into these, these fears and parts in order to do that. I also don't believe that the work has to be so heavy and, and drudging through the mud. You know, it can be. And it can also be a lot of playful and it can be sexy and it can be, you know, it can be that too. <laughs> so how can we create space and hold space for the vulnerability and for, well, the work to be both vulnerable, but also playful and ecstatic. I hope this was helpful. I hope this inspired some contemplation. And I hope that I see you inside my course. That's Sex Love, Psychedelics, Alchemy. And we'll be starting the first week of October. So October 7th is our first live call. And it's what I've got in store for you is really juicy, really powerful thought-provoking, playful, sexy, and experiential. Well, that was fun. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. And if you want to experience more ecstasy and sexual liberation, head over to sexlovepsychedelics.com and learn about how you can join me for any one of my online or live events. And while you're there, grab my free guide on sex and psychedelics. Remember, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider and local law before pursuing any of the products or psychedelics discussed. And one final note here, I make this show specifically for you. If you're loving the show, then be sure to leave me a review in iTunes or Spotify to let me know. Happy to be here and happy to serve. I'll see you next time on Sex Love Psychedelics.